At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. I've got an agenda again, so I'm going to spell out my agenda. Also, there was a take on like a big sports talk radio station that pissed me off, and I know that it pissed Peter off too. So we're going to get into that at the tail end. Peter also has uh, some bounce back candidates here after a slow first month of the season, first five weeks of the season or six, 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 six right? Six Isn't weeks it? In? it? Feels like we're six weeks in, right? This yeah. is Thursday, May 11th. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure opening day was on a Thursday. This might be the six-week mark. Holy smokes! This is the six-week mark. Welcome to it. Oh my gosh, Jack, Peter, how you doing? I'm doing amazing. We're at the six-week mark of the baseball season. I feel good. What do you mean? I feel great. Except I'm not very happy about WFAN, but we're going to talk about that later. No, we're going to do that at the at the end. I, we'll do it as like my last takeaway. I've got three things on my agenda, and then we'll get to the bounce back candidates. So we'll probably do it at like the midway point. Um, I do want to start with the game that we watched on Tuesday night. Big day slate today. We're recording during the day on Wednesday. Um, but I want to go back to the West Coast game um, on Tuesday night. And that was Astros-Angels. It was billed as a heavyweight fight. Shohei Otani against Framber Valdez. And I don't want to say most of the time, but like I'd probably say more often than not, the big time billing of ace pitchers going up against each other kind of falls short of expectations, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, every now and again, you get a Cease and Verlander from last year, or you get a Bieber and Cole from 2021 that was like, this is an immediate classic. But sometimes they fall a little flat. This one didn't at all. Houston got a 3-1 win over the Angels. And this fit the billing of that ace-off heavyweight match, Tyson and a holy field. They were going after each other. This was some of the most fun I've had watching a ball game in the last couple of years, honestly. Yeah, it was one of the best games of the season so far. Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez. So we, I love this debate because I feel like this certain debate changes 
weekly because all of the top left-handed pitchers in the game are also good. So it's like, all right, you gave up five earned runs in one start. Maybe you're not in that same category anymore. You go from two to four. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's Framber. It's Freed. It's McClanahan. It's Arias. And it is Carlos Rodon when he, when he comes back healthy. Those are the five. And Framber just continues and continues to be so effective. Because the reason I love Framber so much and why I think he's going to have just this amazing career is he doesn't even have to have his best stuff to be really effective. Yeah. You and I talk on the phone about Framber, what seems like after every start. The bowling ball sinker, even if he leaves it middle, it's one of those pitches that it's almost impossible to do real damage to. Like the only time you ever see Framber really give up runs is when their base hits through the five, six hole or their little dink and dunks. Of course he can give up a home run because every pitcher in major league baseball is going to, yeah. but it's really hard to do consistent damage to Framber. And we saw it firsthand in the world series last year. I mean, he's been doing this, but it's the evolution of the breaking ball where he goes from a guy who gets ground balls really effectively, short counts, but then now he's starting to whiffs are coming. I thought it was one of the great starts of the season so far, not just because of how good Framber looked, but because of how good the Angels have been against left-handed pitching this year. The Angels are one of baseball's best against lefties. It's like seven or eight right-handed hitters in the lineup, and then Otani. Right. It's an incredible lineup against lefties in particular. Framber goes into Los Angeles, eight innings, three hits, one run. I thought for the circumstances, it was one of the best outings of the year. Might have been the best outing of the year. And you can counter and uh, say, but Jack, Mitch Keller just threw a complete game shutout. He looks like the tread video, Mitch Keller. What are you talking about? Jordan Lyles, nine innings, four earned against the White Sox. Facts. You're right. <laughs> Um, no, man. So my, I, I'll give you four names right now. My four favorite pitchers to watch right now are all in the American league and hmm. like Strider's probably fifth. He's off this list for me right now, just because of like my personal preference. This doesn't mean that Strider or Zach Gallen is, is not one of the four best pitchers in the game. It's just, yeah, you're not saying you're the best pitchers. No. You're saying your personal favorite pitchers to watch. My personal favorite pitchers to watch right now, Shane McClanahan, Shohei Otani, because he hits two. Yeah, Luis he does. Castillo in Seattle, who's been nuts. Yep. And Framber Valdez. And here is yep. why Valdez is on that list. Mark Gubisha is the uh, TV analyst for the Angels on Valley Sports West. And they were talking Dusty Baker. And then they got into bullpen availability. Like who's good out of the bullpen? You know, who's worked a lot over the last couple of days? Who hasn't? And Gooby made a great point. He said something along the lines of, if Dusty Baker needs Framber Valdez to go nine tonight, Framber Valdez is going to go nine tonight. What does he do? Eight innings, three hits, one earned, was a solo homer to Zach Neto, 12 punch outs, no walks, 12 Ks in eight innings of one run ball in 99 pitches. So what does he do? He gets through eight. He hands the ball to Ryan Presley in the ninth. He has a 10 pitch, one, two, three inning with a couple of Ks. Like, that was exactly what Houston needed on Tuesday, May 9th, and Fromber gave it to him. And for my money, this was one of, if not the best pitching performance of the year. It did feel like a momentous win, right? Like, there's wins during the regular season that you point to and be like, that's the game that got us really started. Because right now in the American League, you know, we're recording on Wednesday. We don't know what the standings will look like, of course, yeah. because it's really, you know, convoluted. They're all in the same bunch. But the Astros are in fourth place in the American League West. They need to start turning it up a little bit. And Framber delivered when they needed it most against a division rival against Shohei Otani on the road. Framber was hitting 98 last night. Like, what the fuck is that, dude? 98 miles an hour on a sinker with horizontal, with vertical movement. You name the movement, he's got it. The curveball is getting about as many whiffs as humanly possible. The cutter is elite, too. He was flashing everything, and he even had a what's up changeup, just a hello changeup, kind of like when Spencer Strider just throws it in for fun, when DeGrom throws it in for fun. That's what Framber was doing. I don't know if there was any lineup in all of baseball right now that had a prayer against Framber last night. That was elite. That was ace material. 
No, and by all accounts so far this year, he was seeing a good lineup in the Angels. Like, there are a couple games over 500. They've been hitting well. Like, Otani's been hitting the ball great. Trout's been hitting the ball really well. And they've had some really solid contributors, right? Taylor Ward's been good. Hunter Renfro went bridge a couple days ago. And Neto's been off to a pretty decent start uh, in his big league career. Last thing I want to highlight in this game is the three runs that came in against Shohei Otani. He threw seven innings of three-run ball, 103 pitches. Welcome to the sport of baseball, where anything can freaking happen. Martin Maldonado, the 530 OPS guy, hits a two-run bomb off Shohei Otani for two of those runs. The other one is what stands out to me, because Jordan Alvarez did what I think very few people on the planet, he may be the only guy on planet Earth that can do this. And like, you will say, oh, what about Judge and Stanton? I don't think so. Let me explain. RBI single from Jordan Alvarez against Shohei Otani came on a backdoor cutter. Yep. That Jordan Alvarez got a B, B minus swing off. Before you even continue, it was a perfect pitch. It was a, it was a great pitch. pitch. <laughs> Perfectly executed backdoor cutter. Great pitch. It's a B or C swing from Alvarez. It certainly was not his A swing. Ground ball the other way at 109 miles an hour. Nobody else in the world is doing that. I don't think Judge is doing that. I don't think Stanton is doing that. Like, obviously, their A-swings produce 120s. O'Neill Cruz's A-swing produces 120s. Hell, Ellie De La Cruz just had three batted balls over 116 on Tuesday night in Louisville. He had a 114 off Gavin Williams. But I don't think there's a single other hitter that will get a B-swing off and hit a ground ball single the other way at 109 miles an hour. Jordan Alvarez might be the one hitter in Major League Baseball that you can't game plan for. There is no scouting report. All you can do with Jordan Alvarez is throw your best pitches and hope for the best. That's exactly what Shohei did. Backdoor cutter, perfectly placed, and Jordan is just better. It doesn't matter. Like, judge their swing and miss in his game. Mookie, I think, is in that same kind of breath. Yeah, but it's not one bit more. It, yeah, and there's a little bit more swing and miss. It's not freaky like Jordan is. Stoto used to be in that breath, but he's been struggling so far. Mike Trout used to kind of be in that breath, but there's a blue zone for Mike Trout. It's up and away. That's just, it is what it is. Mike Trout has dealt with issues with the high fastball his entire life. Now, I remember where I pointed out in the playoffs last year, I was like, there's a blue zone with Jordan Alvarez right now. It's the up, it's the fastball that's up in his hands, like up in the zone. That doesn't exist anymore. It was fun for like a couple of weeks where I noticed it. I'm like, hey, I found the hole. It's gone. It's a gone. It's He's hitting over 300 in that area. There is no game plan to get Jordan out. It is just, let's pray. And you don't see that in baseball very often, a guy who's ungame planable. That's not even a word, but I made it a word because Jordan is such a freak. Jordan Alvarez is playing in his fifth season of Major League Baseball. He's got 105 homers. He's hitting 295 with a 970 OPS in his career. And he's having like a bad year right now. Jordan Alvarez at this point this year is hitting 284 with a 934 OPS. <laughs> kind of below average. It's not good enough. But uh, that's what's crazy. He had an 877 and the world was falling. He Yeah, he's like kind of hurt right now. Like he looks kind of hurt. And he's still one of baseball's best hitters. Best thing about him, he was born on June 27th, 1997. This MF is 25 years old right now, and he's got 100 homers under his belt. Him and Adley are like the same age. Jordan Alvarez I think Adley's is- older. I think Adley Rutschman is older. His birthday is in February, if I'm not mistaken. Here's Adley one. Rutschman's birthday is in February of 1997. I'm pretty sure that Jordan's birthday is what, in June of 1997? June of 97. Here's one. Jordan Alvarez is younger than James Outman. That's not fair. He's a month younger than James Outman. Outman's going to turn 26 on May 14th. Happy early birthday, James Outman. Jordan Alvarez is going to turn 26 on June 27th. He's younger than the NL Rookie of the Year frontrunner at this point. He's going to go down five homers with 970 OPS under his belt. I keep trying to field an argument for other best hitters alive. Like I still just want to say trout because of 
his past MVP seasons and how amazing that he's been over his entire career. You know, I want to keep saying Mookie because I still think he might be the most complete player in all of Major League Baseball. Aaron Judge is coming off a 62 home run season. Juan Soto is still that guy. He's just been off to a slow start, but it's getting harder and harder to make an argument for anybody else as the best hitter alive, the best pure hitter alive than Jordan Alvarez. That's what we're dealing with. Pretty cool to watch. Next thing on my agenda here, I've got two more, including the the FAN thing. Um, Number two, Matt Olson and Sean Murphy are the Alex Anthopoulos masterclass. And, and that is about as simple as I can put it. Alex Anthopoulos gets a lot of credit for these pre-arb extensions, right? With, with um, Acuna and Albies and Strider and Michael Harris. Sure. And like, that's the thing. And obviously, you know, extending Matt Olson and extending Sean Murphy, but going to grab those guys from Oakland is I think the best example of an executive in recent years smelling blood in the water and going to pounce. Yep. He grabbed two guys that are standing on their heads right now. And like, I, I could bury the Oakland A's right now because I'm going to give you like Olsen and Murphy's numbers and where they stack up in the league. Oh, and by the way, Matt Chapman is third in OPS and second in average exit velocity. Um, But Matt Olsen at this point this year, after a quote unquote down year last year, Tied for third in homers, tied for seventh in RBIs, fourth in walks, second in runs scored, third in average exit velocity. They have him locked up through 2030. Sean Murphy, they acquired this offseason, second at OBP, fourth in runs driven in, second in slugging, second in OPS. They've got him through 2029. So you've got the best catcher in baseball through the first six weeks of the 2023 season. Like by far. Like by far, and yep. one of, if not the best first baseman in baseball right now through the first six weeks of the 2023 season. So I, I think that these two, with Alex Anthopoulos going to get Matt Olson for Christian Pache and others, and swapping pretty much William Contreras and a couple of prospects, Muller, Freddie Tarnak, for the best catcher in baseball right now, is his magnum opus. This is the best work that Alex Anthopoulos has ever done. Is it even the best work? And I don't even mean to demean what you're no, saying. Like I think everything you said, extension like, might be the best work. That's the thing. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's just clockwork at this point. Like we keep saying it's Alex Anthopoulos magnum opus. Like how many times can we use that term? Because he keeps blowing everybody else out of the water. That's why uh, that's how amazing he is. And I think it's even crazier that they traded for Sean Murphy when they had multiple catchers on the roster. Travis Darno, offensively, and you could even argue defensively, was a top 10 catcher last year. That wasn't a position of need, but he doesn't care about that. He goes for value. He's almost like a better. <laughs> like He's like a gambler in that way. Like It's like, yeah, this might not win. This might not make our team better. And I'm even speaking in gambling terms, but like combining it with baseball terms. They didn't need a catcher, but they saw value when they took it. Like, that's the mark of a good gambler. That's the mark of a really good executive. And Alex Anthopoulos has easily established himself as the best because it's not like he has the Dodgers payroll. He doesn't have the Yankees payroll. You, I guess you could argue, I know Braves could. I mean, Liberty that there's plenty of money. Yeah, there's plenty. But he's doing it without all of that, right? And that's what makes it so amazing is that he didn't need a catcher, but he saw the value of Sean Murphy. He knew what he would be outside of Oakland. And it's showing. John Murphy hits fourth. Michael Harris hits eighth. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Harris hits eighth. The reigning NL rookie of the year is the eight hitter in this lineup right now. I personally think the Rays and the Braves are just kind of on a different level than every other team in Major League Baseball right now. Like they are just, it's hard to compare anybody else to them right now. The Astros are going to get healthier. The Dodgers are still very good. Yeah. The Padres can still be very explosive. But they're just kind of like there's a couple of teams who lead the league in barrels. And a barrel is a ball hit over 95 miles an hour with an optimal launch angle. That's what leads to the best hits. It's the Rays and it's the Braves. They're just on a different level. Yes. Um, I think that those two do an excellent job of IDing big league talent that they can go and get. Like, I mean, you know, you think about the big splashes that Tampa has made. There's really no big splash. The the rumors that they were in on Freddie Freeman would have been a massive splash, but 
you know, I mean, what do you have to go back to Chris Archer to Pittsburgh for Glasnow, Boz, and Meadows for like the big splash from Tampa? And they were moving their like MLB piece for the Braves. Like, what's the big trade? You know, in hindsight, you're looking at Christian Pache and others for Matt Olson, Shea Langoliers. So you parted with a guy that's the starting catcher for the A's for arguably the best first baseman in the game right now. Like th- there's no, Hey, this was massive in the moment. Like the return was massive, but giving it away, th- there wasn't anything that was like, Ooh, the rate, the Braves might feel this. That's what I'm just saying. It's clockwork. Like that's all it is. Yeah. It's just one after another. They see value and they take it better than any other team in major league baseball. You know, yeah. they aren't worried. They go after it. They trust in their own process. And this process has developed a, you know, NLE's titles year after year, and it ain't stopping anytime soon. This is the window opening. Yep. I mean, it's been open, but it's still opening. It's not like these guys are 32, 33 years old, and this is starting to be like, all right, this Braves, you know, run has been great. No, no, no. This is just the beginning. They're going to run the National League, I think, for the next decade. Like, this is this is how dynasties are formed. Yeah, not going to count out the Dodgers, but... no. Of course, um, there will be other like the Braves aren't going to rattle off ten straight titles. Yeah, but I'm saying they will be like '90s Braves when it was they, when it was Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, those guys. Like you think it, that could be that? Yes, they'll just be in title contention for the next decade, or until Alex Anthopoulos decides to be the commissioner or the president of the United States and gets bored with winning. Yeah, I think that's Theo Epstein's job. I think Theo yeah, literally <laughs> he got bored of winning. Like that's yeah. Anthopoulos. Just no, Theo yeah, is like. What piss poor project am I going to take over and turn into a World <laughs> Series winner? I'm I'm bored. I fixed the Red Sox. I fixed the Cubs. Let me fix the league. Yeah, I think that's Anthopoulos next. Yeah, that could be Alex Anthopoulos next. All right, last thing for me. Um, WFAN in New York is the flagship of the Yankees, and they have a show called Carton and Roberts. Craig Carton and Evan Roberts. And I'm not going to play it because I I think that there are some like copyrights things. I'm not going to you know put my phone into the microphone. But the gist of what Evan Roberts was saying was he was accusing the Tampa Bay Rays of cheating. Uh, Carton actually used the word cheating, and Roberts was like, I didn't say it, but you've got so many guys that are outperforming their baseball card. And the gist of it was he was saying Christian Bethencourt's playing well. Taylor Walls is playing well. I know these guys. They suck. Like he was honestly, he was accusing the Tampa Bay Rays of cheating because they're really good. Now the haters would say that's textbook defamation. And he is on zero grounds, which he admitted like no ammo whatsoever against the Tampa Bay Rays. Hey man, like that's really dangerous for you to do. And you are defaming, um, maybe the most talented organization in baseball when it comes to player development and player identification. But I say, open your third eye, people. They've got it right. I'm going to peel back the curtain for the listeners of the Just Baseball show. So we wanted to create the company Just Baseball on the grounds of we didn't think the game of baseball was being covered correctly. Now, I'm not here to tell you that we do it perfectly. We get stuff wrong all the time. But what we can guarantee is that we are absolutely giving you our best shot. And what I also can guarantee is that I will never give you a take where the take is basically, I don't know these guys. It's I'm in over my head. And that's the take. If you go back and listen to that clip, the point of what he is trying to say is, I don't understand what's going on. That's it. Like that was the take. And that is what makes me so upset. You see baseball publications who cover this game, this beautiful, amazing, best sport in the world. They go on the radio and they're almost bragging that they don't know players in the sport that they cover. If I'm left, like we'll sometimes make a joke on the A's and They haven't won a game in three weeks, and we'll be like, whoa, they just put out a player who I've never heard of. Guess what we do? 
we go back and we look up that player to learn that player because our job is to give you the best baseball analysis that we possibly can. Can you imagine on this podcast us bragging and acting like we don't know what's going on and that being the take? These guys are on radio waves in front of hundreds of thousands of people. How is that? How do people like listen to that? Yeah. So what I will say is, is it's, it's talk radio and they say stupid shit a lot on talk radio. Um, I really respect the ones that don't. Um, I was really lucky because uh, we brought him up, Matt Spiegel, my uncle. That's like why I wanted to do this stuff. Um, you know, he and every partner he's had at 670, the score in Chicago and a, really every host at 670, the score in Chicago you know, almost prides himself on not saying stupid shit like that in hopes of eliciting a reaction. So I think that they do a great job. I think there are a lot of talk radio hosts that do a great job at not saying shit to elicit a reaction. But what this was, was I'm accusing them of cheating. I know that I have no grounds for accusing them of doing it, but I'm going to do it anyways because Christian Bethencourt and Taylor Walls can't get better than my initial perception of them. It's so such now an I, ego thing because ego you thing. don't know them and because you don't watch them, your take is correct that they must just be overperforming. Maybe cheating. Watch You cover baseball. Do you watch baseball? That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like I, I think a lot of people in this media space – don't actually watch the games, actually know what's going on. They get handed a piece of paper with some stats on it, and they're like, this isn't the baseball that I saw four years ago. Yeah. So then they're like, "Like, what the fuck are you talking about, Carton? I, I, don't... I would love to go on that show and debate that guy because I would wipe the floor with him, Jack, as would you. He yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I would just point those two to Jose Bautista, right? Where like they would immediately say Jose Bautista, good baseball player, right? Joey Bats, great baseball player, retired in 2018. Jose Bautista finished fourth in AL MVP voting with the Blue Jays in 2010. That was his age 29 season. He won his first silver slugger. Before that, Bautista had parts of one, two, three, four, five, six big league seasons with the Orioles, the Pirates, Tampa, Kansas City, and Toronto. In 575 games, in his first 575 Major League Baseball games, he hit 238 with a 729 OPS. Guys can get better at baseball. Taylor Walls can have a 900 OPS through six weeks. You know that? Making adjustments. like. Yeah. Can you imagine? It's, it's called getting acclimated to Major League Baseball. And guess what? Taylor Walls hasn't had much time to get acclimated to Major League Baseball because he's been a part-time player. The Rays are way ahead of everybody analytically. And it's not just, oh, they everyone has the same numbers. They do not. Every player I talk to, everybody in the industry who really knows the Rays, says they're about two years ahead of everybody analytically. What they did two years ago Every other team is trying to catch up because the Rays have had to be so inventive, so creative because they have a $71 million payroll. They get the best minds in the industry to all come together and figure out how they are going to win baseball games. And they are doing it year in and year out. Now, there have been some years where the whole team has fallen apart because of injuries, but that doesn't take away from the fact that they are simply smarter than other teams. The way they game plan, the way they scout, everything is ahead of everybody else. So when we joke around, like Jeff Passan posted that Jake Diekman has signed with the Tampa Bay Rays. I commented under it, oh, look, Jake Diekman is going to be the best reliever in the month. Uh, excuse me, best reliever in baseball in a month. In a it month. was a joke, but what I am saying is, and why it's a joke that there's truth in every joke is that the Rays identify players based on stats that we don't even know and are able to retool them to make them better baseball players. That's what the Rays are known for. So I guarantee you 
Carton has no idea about that, thinks they're the lowly Rays in the American League East because he watches the Yankees every fifth day when Garrett Cole pitches, and maybe he'll run into the Rays and be like, how are they doing it? Hey, Roberts you are the watching Roberts the Rays. The one that went on the ramp. I would throw him into this conversation too. Sorry? Evan Roberts was the one that went on the ramp. I would throw him in. Oh, yeah, whatever. Both of them. I mean, both of them had no idea who they were talking about. Best line from that was, are you going to open your eyes when The Athletic writes the article, or are you going to open your eyes now? (laughs) As if you know what the fuck you're talking about. As if. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's like if you and I jumped on a freaking podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson and came to the fact that the Big Bro, Bang ain't real because I didn't see it. The moon's fake as shit. The dude. moon's fake. What's your evidence? I've never seen it. I mean, what an idiot. I've seen it, but I've never touched it. What an idiot. All right, take us to your five Take us to your five bounce-back candidates. And we're, we're talking about guys that have had a rough first six weeks of the season to this point that you think will, will positively uh, get back. I will. But one thing I would do want to say, too, I stand behind everything I just said. If they want to have me on a debate... Bring it on. Bring it on. All right. Let's start with a player who has been kind of pissing me off (laughs) because I love him so much. Yeah. But he is due for so much positive regression. It's actually insane. And I'm going to start with Nick Lodolo. Now, Nick Lodolo, left-handed pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, electric stuff. He's striking out the most batters that he's ever done, and he's walking the least that he's ever done. But he's got an ERA above six. Now, you can look at every single other peripheral. FIP, XFIP, XERA, Sierra, doesn't matter. Every ERA predictor is saying that there's positive regression there. But the thing is, when you watch Nick Lodolo starts, he is making good pitches, but those pitches are being taken out of the ballpark. I brought up that one against Josh Young, which I felt was a perfect example. The slider in on Josh Young's hand that he hit out of the ballpark. If you look at batting average on balls in play, the second pitcher out of all pitchers ranked is around 385. Nick Lodolo's batting average on balls in play is 435. That is criminal. He is, in my opinion, one of the most unlucky pitchers in Major League Baseball. The Reds have a really good trio at the top with Hunter Green, Graham Ashcraft, and Nick Lodolo, but of almost all pitchers, I would say Nick Lodolo is getting so unlucky. The home run rate is bonkers. Home run to fly ball rate, bonkers. Home runs per nine, bonkers. These numbers are not real. This is a perfect example of a pitcher who has really good stuff, is doing everything he can, and getting so unlucky. Nick Lodolo is still one of the better left-handed pitchers in the National League. But if you look at the ERA, you might think he's closer to, I was going to say Wade Miley, but Wade Miley's been legit. I might even say Kyle Freeland, but for some reason, Kyle Freeland's been legit. It's so early. Reds fans, do not worry about Nick Lodolo. Brighter days are ahead. And I can almost guarantee it. I I can't guarantee anything in sports, but I, I, I feel so bad for the guy because everything that could go wrong for Lodolo has gone wrong. Yeah, so he's a Cali boy that went to TCU, which is Texas Christian, which is in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, I think he could be a warm-weather guy. We saw him debut a little bit later in the season. He threw, what, a a little over 100 innings last year? Um, And everything was a tick up from where it is right now. Like, literally every pitch. Fastball velo is a mile per hour down. Curveball velo is two miles an hour down. Um, the, The thing that jumps out about pitch mix when it comes to Nick Lodolo is last year he had way more pitches qualify as a sinker than he has this year. He did throw a four seam and a sinker last year. I think what's happening is like, it might just be a four seam fastball or it might be a sinker. That's almost like blending right now. His two fastballs are blending and they're probably getting a little dead zony instead of ride on the four seam and like bowling ball, like Framber Valdez on the sinker. So I'm thinking like, Hey, you know, maybe that just gets better when it warms up outside. Uh, It is starting to warm up outside. If these struggles continue into June, that's when I get nervous. The thing is, even if they continue into June, I'm still not getting nervous because I guess I'm thinking about him long term. Now, could this season be a little bit of a down year 
by the counting stats? Absolutely. But I'm just thinking about Nick Lodolo, the pitcher long-term, because I know that the Reds and Reds fans are looking at building right now because like this year is they're not making the playoffs. They're looking at the future and being like, is this Nick Lodolo guy who's supposed to be one of the three best pitchers in our rotation for the next decade? Is, is he regressing? Like, no, he's just gotten so unlucky. That was the reason I brought him up. Yes. And I, listen, I already declared him him with a capital H, like after what, two starts this Mm -hmm. year, I was like, this guy has arrived. And then it turns out he hasn't arrived yet. So um, I am certainly not off the Nick Lodolo hype train. I think the pitch mix and the pitch profile is going to straighten out this summer. And he's going to have a really good summer for the Cincinnati Reds. And it looks like Matt McClain, Christian Encarnacion Strand, hell, maybe the top prospect in all of baseball, according to uh, our list at just baseball.com. Ellie De La Cruz might, might be up to provide him a bit of run support. Agreed. Next player on the list is a guy who's off to a pretty good season, right? But his quality of contact combined with his defensive acumen, he is hitting the ball hard enough and playing well enough to be a top 10 player, but he doesn't have an 800 OPS. And that's Kyle Tucker of the Houston Astros. He is getting so unlucky. His batting average is 264. His expected batting average is 311. He is slugging 440. His expected slugging is 570. In terms of quality of contact, he is one of the best in baseball. He's got a 418 X Woba, which you don't often see. Kyle Tucker is walking at the highest rate of his career, and he is striking out at the lowest rate of his career. When we just look at zone contact percentage, which is contact of pitches within the zone, it's at 87.6%, which is the highest rate of his career. He is simply just hitting the ball really hard into the catcher's glove, or excuse me, into the outfielder's glove. He is hitting line drives. He is pissing on baseballs, and it's just getting caught. And that's kind of been the definition of the Astros season thus far is that they're getting pretty unlucky and Kyle Tucker is the poster boy for this. But the thing is why Kyle Tucker is so good while he is getting unlucky, six bombs, five steals and 800 OPS. Yeah. That's why we put Kyle Tucker so high in conversations because he does have all the talent in the world and he's showcasing it. It's just not landing in the outfield. It's being caught. And I know it's kind of simple analysis on that, but the point is that Kyle Tucker, while off to a slow start by the counting numbers, I think is due for one of the great second halves in Major League Baseball. I think he goes off in the second half. Like he's a guy for fantasy players. Like this is kind of why I think we wanted to do this of guys who are kind of, you know, under the radar right now, but maybe you should trade for in fantasy baseball. Like Kyle Tucker is a guy who I'm sending out trade packages. Like, give me him. You think he's not that good anymore? I'll take him. Yeah. He is due for some incredible positive regression. Yeah. If you're disappointed in him, give him to me. I will foster him. I will nurture him and he will be an excellent fantasy baseball player for me. Um, Yeah, man. I mean, Kyle Tucker is, I, I love that you brought him up because he's doing some things that are really solid. 150 plate appearances. 20 walks, 22 punch outs. This guy's walking more than he ever has in his career. Uh, he's also not striking out much at all. I think K rate's under 15% right now. 14.7% lowest of his career. Yep. So you've got a guy that's striking out less than ever before. He's hitting the ball as hard as last year. He's walking more than ever before. Um, they're going to start to find the green and they're going to start to find seats. This guy has two more years of team control left. He's got his final two arbitration years. That's age 27 and age 28. I think this guy's a $200 million player. And honestly, I I think this quote unquote rough stretch with a 798 OPS is proving that he is a $200 million player. Couldn't agree with you more. Moving on to another guy who the age of this player confuses me because I thought he was 28 or 29. Josh Naylor of the Cleveland Guardians is 25 years old. Same age as Adley Rutschman, same age as Jordan Alvarez, same age as a lot of the guys that we name, but it seems like he's been in baseball now for a very long time. I, maybe outside of Kyle Tucker and the other guy that I'm going to get to, this is one of baseball's unluckiest hitters. 
Josh Naylor is slashing 191, 244, 304. His expected slash line is 269, 329, 445. That is just painful. He's still hitting the piss out of the ball. He's striking out less than 19%. He's got a 7% walk rate. And I always like to look at zone contact. How are you doing with pitches in the zone? 88.8%, the highest in a full season if you you know don't include 2020. This is a guy in Josh Naylor who was on the San Diego Padres, got traded over to the Cleveland Guardians, hit 20 bombs last year with 28 doubles and put up a 771 OPS. This year, 548 OPS. It's hard to get as unlucky as Josh Naylor is. And by outs above average, he's been one of the best defensive first basemen in the league. Like, this is a very good player who is seeing incredibly bad batted ball luck. Like, this is a guy who also, maybe he's even available on waivers. He probably is, depending on how deep your league is. Yeah. Like, I'm picking up Josh Naylor 100%. He is getting so unlucky. Yeah, a couple of things that like I, I feel like are easy fixes for him. And, and these numbers have always hovered around this area, but never as egregious. Um, he's got a 41% chase rate, which is well, one of the highest chase rates in baseball. And he's hitting a buck 18 against breaking balls. So like those two numbers don't look good, but again, he's only seen 180 breaking balls so far this year. So don't slam the panic button yet. 160 against breaking balls, like can make the world go around compared to 118 against breaking balls. So even if he sees a, a marginal increase ever so slight. I think we're looking at a better hitter. Yeah, like he hit 198 against breaking balls last season. Like he hit 293 off off-speed pitches, which are normally change-ups. Like he crushes change-ups this year. He's not. But you look at basically every single metric, and he is supposed to positively regress. Yeah, I agree with you. But the overall whiff rate isn't really concerning. You're right. He is chasing more, but it's not to egregious levels that we aren't really used to. Like whiff rate at 20%. Last year was 19 and a half chase rate this year, 39%. Last year was at 33%. So I agree with you. He's getting out of his rhythm a little bit more. He's chasing more breaking balls because he's seeing more breaking balls. And I think once he makes that adjustment, he's going to go right back to the ball landing in the outfield instead of in a, in an outfielder's glove. Like that's, I guess the main point of this, this passage is guys getting unlucky and there isn't like, holy shit, warning signs, warning signs for him outside of, you know, he's chasing a little bit more. This passage, it, are we taking the ACT? <laughs> yes, this, passage? this is what we're doing. I love it. What is the motif of this passage? All right, you got two more? Two more. Um, so this time we're going to go to a reliever, and his name is Matt Brash. Yep. Matt Brash has a 5.06 ERA, a 1.63 FIP, 1.92 xFIP and 1.89 Sierra. Now, those are a lot of nerd numbers, but they're ERA predictors, dork. which take, yeah, dork, which take, you know, what happens on the physical play. They look at batted ball data, all that good stuff. Matt Brash on bat on balls in play, his batting average on balls in play, something I use when it's early because these things are expected to regress. Five. 35, excuse me, 531 batting average on balls in play. The next best or next worst is Taylor Clark of the Kansas City Royals, who has a 540 ERA, and it's at 462. Like this, this is a list of some of the worst relievers in baseball. And Matt Brash is at the top of batting average in balls in play by a sizable margin. Like Talk about just when runners are in score position or it's just not falling his way. Matt Brash has a 44% K rate. 44% K rate. He is just as nasty as he was, but he is baseball's unluckiest reliever. So by all accounts, he's actually gotten better. Yeah. It's just May 10th and it's fucking small sample size baseball this ain't 
this ain't going to continue. Matt Brash is still one of the best relievers of the American League, but the results have been dreadful and so unlucky, and I feel so bad for the guy. Hey, man, five ERA or not, he's still going to be on Pitching Ninja, and like he's still going to be tasked with big-time, high-leverage situations for Seattle, and the ERA is going to drop below five. That's for sure. I mean, he was a 4-5 last year, and everybody was you know, declaring him as, you know, the next great reliever, right? After a four or five ERA telling you he is going to be a great reliever. He's going to be better than this 506 he's got right now in 19 appearances. He's going to be better than that 444 he had last year in 50 and two thirds innings. This guy's a star. Yeah. And another star who's off to a really rough start, but every single advanced stat is going to tell you that he is due to go crazy soon. That is George Springer of the Toronto Blue Jays hitting. You know, the contact has not been ideal, the quality of contact when we're looking at it, but still, like, George Springer is a 574 OPS. That isn't real. He's striking out at the lowest rate of his career, and he's still walking a decent amount. His ex-WOBA is way higher than his WOBA. His expected batting average is 257 compared to 209. His expected slugging is 429 compared to a 302 slug. Like, I go back to zone contact percentage. Are you making enough contact within the zone, and what's happening to that contact? Are you still hitting the ball hard? Yes. Now, the hard hit rate has gone down a little bit, but I don't expect that to to continue. Highest zone contact rate of his career, just another guy where the ball is going into the outfielder's gloves, where infielders are making diving plays, and he is not getting on base. Now, With George Springer, you know, I have watched him a good amount so far, and it does seem like he's getting out of his approach a little bit. And you can see that sort of backed up by the numbers because he's swinging at more pitches and he's a guy who's normally in the 10% walk range and it's the lowest of his career. So he is getting out of what he normally does. But I just, I cannot expect this to continue with how quality the contact is. He is chasing more, but again, another guy who I fully expect to bounce back from this dreadful start for one of the stars in our game. Also a gut feel thing, like George Springer is just going to be really good. Yeah, it's also like... Honestly, same with Varsho. Like, Varsho got off to a really rough start. I think Springer and Varsho complement Vladdy and Bo when they come back down to earth. And, yeah. and Chapman when he comes back down to earth, like is Bo and Vladdy ever going to come back down to earth? Probably not. And like they're Chapman amazing in a contract year, probably not. And Springer and Varsho are going to get better. And Brandon Belt was hitting the ball really well. Like I don't know, the Belt Blue Jays sucks. Does he? Do you think so? I think his at bats are so uncompetitive. It just does not look like the same Brandon Belt. It just looks like a shell. And maybe he'll turn it around, but. <laughs> He, he just does week. not look good. He had a hot week. The numbers are a lot worse than they looked like a week ago, I want to say. Um, I feel like he just... Like, there's some guys that are like, do you have any energy in there? Do you even want to be here? Like, that's that's his body language. Now, of course, it could be many other things. He might just be going through a little bit of a slump here. But with Springer, it's it's like, you don't need to swing at that slider outside the zone because you never do that in your tr- entire career. Why are you doing that? When you hit the ball, it goes into the right fielder's glove on a line. Like, he yeah. is getting unlucky belt, I just think. And that, that was a guy who I was really excited with. Might to go just be to over the hill. hill. Might just be over the hill. At least that's what it looks like to me. And the thing is, it's like with a guy like Brandon Belt, you would expect these to be the best months, right? April, early on, rested. Right. But do you think he's going to be better in August when his body's breaking down? No. That's why so in on Springer, out on Brandon Belt. Okay. Um, another one for you here, just to end it real quick, is Julio Rodriguez. Like, that Julio's was going to be my gonna, sixth. Yeah. Julio's just going to get so much better, man. It's incredible. Talk about, talk about amazing quality of contact and just not getting any results. He, he, no results. So Oscar, same thing. Oscar exactly. has a horrible approach sometimes. So it's like guys yeah. with bad approaches that are getting unlucky. I'm like, you fucking, you piss me off when I watch you. Right. But it's the guys with good approaches that are spraying the ball and getting caught. That's Naylor. That's Tucker. Yeah. That's Julio Rodriguez. Who else did I name? Who uh, else is on my list? You said I uh Tucker. Springer, Naylor, Tucker, and J Rod. 
Teoscar is getting unlucky, but his approach sucks. Belt's getting unlucky. I think his approach sucks. Varsho, like, his approach kind of sucks. Like, at least that's what I see. And, of course, I can't watch every Blue Jays game, but I've watched enough Blue Jays games, watched enough of his at-bats so far this season to be like, you're kind of trying to do too much. It looks like he's trying to be the man in Toronto right now when all you need to do is just fill your role. Like, they don't need you to be the best player on their team. I think he's pressing a little bit. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I mean, Varsha should be the best seven-hitter in baseball. Like, that's starkly. But they're hitting him third. Yeah, and they shouldn't be doing that. Um, Julio hit 316 with a 560 slug on fastballs last year. This year, hitting a buck 94 with a 328. But as I go to lowercase x to end the pod, hitting 194 against fastballs, expected batting average of 260, so 70 point jump. Slugging 328 against fastballs, expected slug 100 points higher at 425. There you go. We watch these guys. We see what's happening. We go look at the metrics, and they back up kind of what we're seeing, that those guys are some of the unluckiest players in all of baseball. It's Nick Lodolo of the Cincinnati Reds, Matt Brash of the Seattle Mariners, Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners, but I didn't want to add two Mariners, so I just kicked him off the list, even though he is fully in this conversation. Kyle Tucker of the Astros, George Springer of the Blue Jays, and Josh Naylor of the Guardians. These are guys who are doing everything that they can, but not seeing the results. And you will see the results very soon. Yep. All right. Uh, just baseball show presented by bet MGM use promo code, just baseball for a deposit match. And what and, else we got cooking and code JB fan. So the deposit match is for bigger betters. Like okay. if your unit size is a little bit sizable, I would use code just baseball. So whatever you deposit, they will match. If you're a little bit of a smaller unit, better, Wager $10 on any MLB game and receive $100 in bonus bets on the king of sports books. It's when books are giving out free money, go get it. And we're not giving out free money, but we are selling merch. <laughs> we would like you to purchase it. Yep. Please. Yep. It's in our episode description. I'm rocking my hat. Jack's rocking his hat. Get yourself some Just Baseball merch. But of course, if you don't want to spend a dime, if you could rate and review this podcast five stars, whether that be on Spotify, or Apple Podcast, we greatly appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, let us know. You know, we look at the comments. What do you guys want to see? Bounce Back was, you know, a comment sent to me. Be like, hey, can you guys talk about some guys that are off to rough starts that you think are going to rebound for fantasy baseball purposes? Guess what? Talking about them right now. Our DMs are open. Always feel free to send those to us. Go ahead, Jack. Real quick on the YouTube front, I want to start calling out uh, our staff a little bit more and just giving them kudos. Ben Bellotti, yeah, of the YouTube, absolutely. Gas, congratulations on the new gig, Ben. But he's still with us, which is absolutely massive. We can never lose you. This company would fold without you, Ben Bellotti. Absolutely, thank you. Shout out Ben Bellotti. Also, shout out Evan Carton and Evan Roberts or Chris Carton, whatever their names are. Craig Carton, Evan Roberts. If you if you want to get after it, you know where to find me. All right. Appreciate everybody listening. And with that, thank you, everybody.